Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Would you like to contribute to the conversation? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition conversation was in. Jay Talking with Bradley Jay. I listen to morning with the sun up. I'm busy. WBZ News Radio 1030. I tune my radio to AM 1030. The radio's all yours now. I talk to a man whose name is Bradley J. Improved my mind in a wonderful way. I just called in to see what condition conversation was in. Yeah, yeah. Conversation was in. WBZ, you are Jay talking. We're live midnight to five. Here we go again another week. We start right out with Jane Healy, author of a cool book called Bean Town Girls. Hey, Jane. Hi, how are you? I am very well. Why don't you tell me about this Bean Town Girls? So the Bean Town Girls is based on the true stories of the Red Cross Clubmobile Girls in the European Theater of Operations during World War II. And you're able somehow to combine Boston and World War II. Yes. So uh, the three main characters are from Boston, and that's why it's called Beantown Girls. But the um, really the whole story takes place in Europe. Okay. So can you give me the kind of first the, the outline of it? Uh, there are these women. I'm going to get it wrong. There, are, there are, There's a woman whose betrothed goes off to the war and can't find them. Yes. Thinks he's dead. Yes, yeah, so there's three best friends, Fiona, Dottie, and Viv. And, and she convinces the other two to join this club because that's their means to get over there and search for the guy. Yes, she convinces them to join the Red Cross Clubmobile pro- program. And um, I use, I, the first question the first question I asked when I learned about this, and the f- first question I always get is, what's a clubmobile? Right. And so the clubmobile um, was bi- essentially, the military came to the Red Cross and said, you are doing great things in the, in the major cities in, during the war. You have these huge clubs in the cities, but you have nothing in the field. And so what can you do? What can you do for our men? And they came up with this idea of Red Cross clubs on wheels. And they'd be staffed by three women, and they'd serve coffee and donuts and cigarettes and candy and play music over speakers. And they were the only women who were the only, some of the only people who were allowed access to the front lines of the war. They had more access than war correspondents and most soldiers. What was the vehicle like? Was it big? It had to be pretty big. There were three of them, and they're going to have soldiers in the vehicle along with them, or did they just open the back and make it like a food truck? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly that. It was like a modern-day food truck. It was a two-and-a-half-ton GMC truck. Um, that they converted into a food truck, and they had a donut machine and coffee maker inside, and they, the girls would serve the coffee and donuts outside, like lift up a flap and serve out the coffee and donuts out the side of the truck. And how did they choose the girls? It was a really um, prestigious program. Only one in six applicants were chosen. They had to be over 25. They had to be college educated. They had to, and then of course it's the 40s, so they had description like had to be 
good looking. Um, hardy, That's what I wanted to hardy ask physically. you, but I didn't dare. I didn't <laughs> yes. dare to ask in this climate if yeah. they were good looking. But they had to be good looking. They had to be good looking. They were looking for the what they described as all American cream of the crop um, in both looks, personality, and intelligence. That's and it was a it was a tough program to get into. A lot of a lot of women all they recruited women all over the country. A lot of women applied, but they only chose one in six. How many of them were there altogether? Uh, at the height of the war, there was over a thousand clubmobile women. So that's like three hundred clubmobiles. Yeah, two hundred eighty-nine clubmobiles. Yeah. And where would they go? And like you talked about the front lines, can you make us understand how close they got to the fighting? Well, um, part of the book takes place during the Battle of the Bulge, and during and you know at, at the start of the Battle of the Bulge around December sixteenth, no one knew that it would be the Battle of the Bulge, that it would be this huge battle, and so these women um, were ended up oftentimes being stuck behind enemy lines because they were going so far up to the front and they didn't even realize it was the front. Sometimes the lines would change and they'd be stuck. Lines changed all the time, yeah. That's uh, what the bulge was, right? A change, a a line. Yeah, yeah. So the lines were constantly changing. And so they, a couple of times, a couple of these clubmobile groups got stuck behind enemy lines with the troops for days. Did, uh, I'm sure some of them got killed. Yes, yes. I that number, I, I don't have an exact, but I think it was around 13 clubmobile women were killed. 52 Red Cross women total were killed in the war. Um, you know, a couple of them, Liz Cullen, uh, sorry, Kathy Cullen and Elizabeth Richardson were two Red Cross clubmobiles girls that were killed. One was killed at a bombing at a hospital, and another one was in a plane accident. We're speaking with Jane Healy, the author of Beantown Girls, The Beantown Girls, yes. which is just fresh out, only... Like seven days ago, it was out February five. Yes, and I understand you. They're selling lots of them. Yes, it's been doing really well. You're number something on the big list. Number. I, I'm number fourteen on Kindle in the U.S. right it's now. Gi- isn't that, is that giant? It is giant. Is, is that it? better than you expected? Yes, it's amazing. Is your publisher happy? My publisher is thrilled. My agent is thrilled. Yes. Are you happy with your publisher? I am very much. They're they're they've been fantastic to me. They Sometimes treat- I hear things about publishers that are a bummer. Like, no, no, they treat me really well. They gave me a lot of input into like things like the cover. You know, a lot of publishers don't give you a lot of input into yeah, the cover. Yeah, the cover's very good. Thank Can you. Can you describe the cover? Okay, the co- so the cover has a clubmobile truck and three women, the three main characters, Fiona, Viv, and Dottie, um, leaning out, out outside of the truck, leaning out of the truck, um, laughing and joking with one another. And I think key to it is the background color of the military looking Yes, canvas, it's got the sort of the olive khaki kind of yeah, khaki, olive. excuse me, <laughs> uh, color, which I don't know, gives it a certain credibility for me. Now, you, um, we talked about you were able to combine Boston and WW2. When you're trying to figure out what to write, had you decided, I want to write about something that involves World War II? I did. My, um, Grandfather was actually in World War II, so I've always had a fascination with World War II history. He was uh, in the Navy. He was a firefighter in the Navy in Europe and Africa. Did he used to tell stories? No. A lot of people have grandfathers who were in the service, but they didn't like it, didn't become as fascinated as you. Yeah, you know, he didn't tell stories. I think a lot of that generation, that was in the past, and, and in order to move forward, they, they didn't talk about it a lot. Did he have any artifacts that he brought back with him? He did. He had some some little things. Um, yeah, he 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 did. You referenced the greatest generation. I mean, yes. of course. Now, what was it that made them great? We say that, but let's talk about what it is that makes them the greatest. 
Well, one thing, uh, you know, learning about these women who went to war, um, there was just a selflessness in their acts. And there was this feeling that, that fighting this war that were, they were all in this together, men and women. And they were willing to work really hard for the cause. And I think that was pretty extraordinary. One thing that uh, is fascinating about that war is it's the really the last time that we were all pulling together. Right? Exactly. Exactly. As a nation. As a nation. Yes. Or at least over some common enemy like that. Yes, exactly. And I, you know, you just got the sense that they, they were all united for the cause and willing to do anything. I think one of the reasons these women volunteered to go overseas is because they saw their, you know, fiancés and brothers and classmates going to war, and they felt helpless to help the cause. And so when they saw this opportunity, even though it was um, probably very scary to think about in some ways, they, they, they jumped at the opportunity. So this is a historical novel. Yes. You got to choose Boston as a the stateside setting for it. That must have been kind of fun. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, there's some flashbacks to Boston, um, and the girls reference Boston, especially when they meet soldiers in yeah. the field that are from Boston. Do they reference any stuff that existed back then? Any stores or clubs or? Uh, in Boston, not so much. No, more in the in, the, um, in Europe. We, there's a lot of talk. Like we, I talk about the Rainbow Corner, which was this huge Red Cross club. A couple of scenes take place there. Um, you know, but the, I reference things like Bunker Hill and the Red Sox and um, different things like that. The North End, of course. And was it hard to get all these details? You had a lot of detail. You know, it it was. It, it's always hard in the beginning because you have this idea and you think. Am I going to be able to find the research to back up this idea I have about writing about the Red Cross Clubmobile Girls? And so I found about a half dozen books. I found some online sources that were um, decent, but you have to be careful about online sources. And yeah, then, you do. Um, and then I, I called Harvard, um, has the Schlesinger Library, which is American Women's History Library. And they said that they had 13 boxes of letters and diaries and artifacts. About the Clubmobile? About the Clubmobile girls. Yeah. Wow. About these women. It was so that was, it. that was it? That was it. It was a treasure trove. It was incredible. Yeah. How do you vet stuff you find online? In, in my business, we have to do it. How do you do it? How do you make sure it's real? You know, I've been doing research for a long time, so I'm pretty good at, at, at sort of tracing any research I find back to the original source online. You know, I think it's always finding, like, where, where's the primary source of this material? What do you do? How do you do that? What is your procedure? Um, so you see something, I mean, if you see it comes from CBS or something, do you just trust it or do you vet it more? I vet it more. I, usually I try to find at least one source to back it up. Just and, one? Yeah. one. You know, some, sometimes more than one. It, it, it depends. Like, you know, I, I think, like I said, I didn't use a ton of online resources, but the ones that I found, I, I made sure they were solid. It's just a personal question. Yeah. Wondering how you... How much is enough? Because I see something sometimes on websites I have I have no idea about idea about. So I'll Google it and see if I see it on AP or Reuters or something like that. Right, right. But I, I don't know if, if I don't know how other people do it. Yeah, well, I, I mean, like Wikipedia, it's like you can't always trust. No, but Wikipedia is right a lot. Yeah, well, they are. That's true, but um, but not always. So you always have to be be careful about where the where their primary sources are coming from too. All right. You mentioned that there's a scene in the book about. That involves Glenn Miller, and I thought that would be fun for you to relate to us in as much detail as you can muster. Yes, so um, one of the things I discovered in my research was that Glenn Miller's and the, his military band would perform these secret concerts for troops near the front lines, and nobody knew about them until the night of, and really until minutes he, he went when he went on stage. And so I thought that would be really fun to incorporate um, 
Glenn Miller, one of these Glenn Miller concerts into the narrative of the story. And so he performed in De Montfort Hall in Leicester, England um, in September of 1944. And so I um, incorporated that scene. And, the, and so the Red Cross women described it in their letters and the soldiers, they all showed up and all of a sudden the curtain went up. So and, the, the real ones described it in their letters. Yes, in their in, letters. In your research, you found Yeah, it. and they talked about it like it was one of the best nights of their lives. Because can you imagine, like, you're just in the middle of nowhere in England and they raise the curtain and there's Glenn Miller and his band performing this live concert for a couple thousand troops and Red Cross women. Did Glenn Miller ever get over to France or closer to the action? He did. I mean, he was, um, he was everywhere until his plane was tragically um, went down. In the channel, but yeah, he he did. He was incredibly um, generous in his time with the troops. I mean, he had a radio show over there, and then he would go around and perform these concerts secretly for the military, which which I, I just loved that. I thought that was an amazing fact, and I wanted to put that in the story because it was such a highlight for for these women and these troops that he showed up um, while while they were getting ready to go over to Normandy. There's some kind of mystery about his. Is demise in the channel, right? There's, there's something weird about it. Right? Yeah, there's been, because uh, his plane was never found, and then just... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. See website for details. Recently, someone sent me an article like two weeks ago that they think they might have finally discovered his plane in the channel. The, you know, there's some sort of radar in the ocean. They, they, they think that it might be him his plane but um but yeah it, it was a mystery it was it's so tragic um he was heading back um you know over and and to do another concert in paris i believe and um and just disappeared Phew. yeah so you say that the uh, club mobile girls bring symbols of warmth from home what would those be you mentioned that in your blurbs symbols of warmth will they bring stuff well, yeah, I I think the major symbols were of home they? were the were the donuts and coffee. Okay. That was the Red Cross and the military were like, okay, well, they talked about cookies and what can we, you know, what can these women make on the fly? And so they had these donut machines and coffee machines in the trucks, and yeah. they'd make the donuts and uh, coffee. And these were the big symbols of home, uh, in addition to cigarettes and lifesavers and candy. And- <laughs> so it might not seem like a big deal to make donuts in a truck on the fly, but they had to be trained to do it, and it's really Quite a big deal to make was, donuts in the back of a truck, and I guess. And horrible, like, you know, it was during the Battle of the Bulge and horrible freezing cold conditions and snow, and the, the machines would freeze or occasionally they would explode because, um, you know, you're dealing with lard and um, and flour, and the, the machines were donated by, like, the Donut Association of America for all these trucks, but they weren't, they were fine if they were, you know, but they were fine if they were, in one place, but if they're if you're in a, a moving truck, like it was just they not weren't made easy. to be banging around in the not, back of the truck. They absolutely were not. And the girls loathed making the donuts a lot of the time. They really did not enjoy that part of the do- job. And finally, um, the Red Cross kind of got the hint and started sor- outsourcing the donut making. And so the girls would just bring the donuts to the field. They would bring them to- from where, like 
made in England or something? Yeah, they'd have like little, boxes? they'd have little, like they'd they'd set up an arrangement with a bakery in England yeah. or a bakery in France, or, or they'd hire bakers in France to make the donuts for them in one central location, so um, to make the girls' lives a little bit easier. Okay, Mary in Maine wants to talk to us. Mary in Maine. Hi, Mary. Say hi to Jane Healy. Oh, hello. hello, Jane. Um, oh. I just it, very coincidentally, I just finished reading the book today. Oh, amazing! Uh, Thank you for reading. I, I, I loved it. It was actually, it was, you know, I just really enjoyed the whole. I love historical fiction, so I, I enjoyed that that whole piece of it. Um, I read your first book as well, without knowing that. Um, that we actually have a connection. I taught with your mother in some of for years. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much for calling and it, in. And I'm so glad you liked the story. How did you find Jane in the first place? Yeah, her books. Uh, her Amy. original book I just read out of my library. Um, the library in your to town? To her you just... mother at the dentist this summer, and she told me that she had a second book out. And it was then that we made the connection that I had read her first book as well. How'd you, what did you like best about it? Any particular parts? Well, World War II was a favorite subject of mine. Um, I love historical fiction, but I like the fact that the women are such strong characters in the book. Um, and I didn't know anything about that part. I, I, knew, I didn't know that they traveled to the front or were so involved with soldiers as well. Um, I certainly knew that the Red Cross were involved with soldiers, but I assumed they were sort of in safe areas and in bases, not actually at the front lines. So how many stars do you give this book? Out of Oh, I think it's five. Out of five? I, I do a five. Oh, five. thank you very much. Very, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, I, I, I know, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know. I really liked it. A three. <laughs> right. <laughs> thank you for that great endorsement. Right. Well, you know, and you bring up a good point. One of the things that uh, I thought was that keep keeps coming up to from people who are, who have read the book is that I never knew I never knew about these women. I never knew the Red Cross Club of Real Girls existed. I didn't know about this program and and yet they were heroes in their own right. You know that they, they were really side by side with a lot of these soldiers at the front lines. So right. so thank you for that. Thanks Mary. Right. Okay, say hi to your mother for me. <laughs> I will. Thank you. So did any of these women have affairs with the soldiers? Soldiers. Um, you know, they they did more with the officers than um, than the general uh, population because they, they had more access to the, the officers had more well, access. All the officers to them. were the same age. You know, the the soldiers that they worked with on a day to day basis, um, the GIs were usually 20. right out of high school. Yeah, really. Yeah, a lot of them were really young. So and how, how old were the women? They had to be how old? 20? They had to be over twenty five. Oh, so the officers. Oh, and, and I think that was really by design. I think that they'd be working with these GIs who were younger, and they wanted women who were more mature, had some could professional handle themselves. Like, could handle like, themselves. Get away from me, kid. Well, exactly. They and they even they even give in part of the training was, you know, deflection of flirtations and passes and things like that. So I don't know. This is going to sound and may be horribly sexist, <laughs> but I'm asking the question: Did any of them join up to meet an officer? I'm, I'm sure some a of them A dashing did. officer. You know, I, I wouldn't, in my reading of their letters and diaries, none of them admitted it, but I'm sure some of them did. Huh. Did anyone get married to her, you know of? Several of them. Several. Yeah, in fact, at the end of the war, um, one of the things that I, I noted in my research, I was laughing because I, I started reading these letters from these women in Europe and... Um, there were many weddings at the end of the war to soldier to officers. Right, everybody yeah. comes home and yeah, yeah, bang, 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 <laughs> and then right. 
kids are born in, the, in a few months. And, yes, yeah. And the so economy gets great. Many, many Everybody weddings. gets a car and a house. Yeah, in fact, and one of the, one part that was really fun to write about was um, at the end of the war, another piece that I didn't know about is the Red Cross and the military rented out um, a bunch of hotels in the south of France, and they s- sent soldiers and Red Cross there for like a couple-week vacation at the very end of the war. Sweet, it was like a little party. Huge party. Wow. Huge party. You talk about that each of them learned who they were. Yes. And can talk about that a little bit. Who who were they? I always am curious <laughs> about this finding yourself business. Well, I think that um, one of the themes of the book is, you know, if, if, you, if you change your mind about what's possible in your life, you change your life. You know, if you, you change. Oh, and um, I, that's kind of what happened for all three of them. You know, they had kind of envisioned futures, you know, Fiona thought she would get married and live in the Boston suburbs and have two dogs. And, and then her fiance goes missing and her whole world's turned upside down. And, and she realizes that there there is another life and another path for her no matter what happens right. um she does see your future be your future <laughs> right. danny yeah. be the ball danny <laughs> okay. and um you know and the other two as well you know um f- for instance dot dot you know viv was um the one who's very artistic worked in an advertising agency um but was kind of, it was kind of a dead-end job because she was a woman they never let her use her talents and then i actually took this story from like the storyline from my research too um she started drawing sketches of the soldiers um that they could send back home to their families and there was actually one of the club mobile girls in real life had um was very artistic and started and would do these charcoal sketches of of um the soldiers that they could send home um so and so she discovered this you know this whole new path for her um that was not her dead-end job but something very very different so so there are three women, and you probably insert bits of your personality in each of these women. What parts of you is in what what woman? I can't imagine you would have one of them be you. No, you know, I, and, and people ask me that question all the time, but they're they're very much who they are. Like I think of them very separate from me at this point, and I and I, I work really hard to develop the characters before I even jump into the first chapter. So I, I you know, I, I guess if I had to identify. With any of them, it would be the main character because it's told from her perspective, and she's um, she's kind of no nonsense. So and when you you have to decide who these people are, and you have to flesh them out and be yeah. extremely detailed. Yes. How do you do that? You write three columns. I want this one to be this, 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 and this, and do that for all three girls. Where does that come from? What you want them to be? Um, you know, that's a great question. I have um, I've created these sheets uh, actually that I have like profile everything about them in terms of looks and personality and what their quirks are and what they hate and what they like to eat and their favorite colors and and then their family backgrounds how many brothers and sisters do they have what you know what's their biggest fears I, I i fill out these profiles for all of them and then i also she almost write a um biography yeah i mean like there's a lot of writing that goes into before you even hit the first page of the first chapter i i do a lot of that i also write essays from their perspective sometimes to sort of get a sense of their voice and who they are. That's another thing that I like to do so that once I'm ready to start writing, I really know them. And you, speaking of writing, you talk about how they were really good writers, these women that were in World War II. Yeah, the the uh, red, the actual Red Cross Club Mule, Mule girls in Europe were 
incredibly prolific writers and they were beautiful writers. I think letter writing is becoming a lost art in this country, for many, in this world for many reasons. And um, they really helped me shape my story through the writing. And it was very clear, not all of them, but some of them knew they were witnessing history. Like they just knew it and they wanted to document this for, for their families, for future generations. Um, it was it was amazing. I least I saw Lisa in Boston was, I thought was, nope, she's not going to be there. And one final thing, it's not really in the correct order, but the training in um, things other than donut making and coffee making. Yes. In London, that was a you know a, a eye opening thing for them. What did they have to go through in London? So uh, in London, they had to. Um, get their license, their British driving license, to, to drive these two-and-a-half-ton GMC trucks. And many of them, including the characters in my novel, the main characters, um, had never driven before. Uh, and then all of a sudden they're tasked with driving these ginormous trucks um, through the the country, the war-torn countryside. And so um, that was pretty daunting for a lot of them. Um, they also had to go through things like air raid drills and gas drills and— yeah. Yeah, just did they have to do any? They must have had to do medical training a little bit, like how yeah, to sew for people up. Basic and, first aid, definitely first aid training. That was a big part of it. Um, yeah, it was you know that, and so there was some there were some funny you know reading these women's letters. There's some funny stories about um, the, going through the courses and trying to get your driver's license, and some of them only got it by the skin of their teeth, and then they were like, okay. There you go. <laughs> you, know? you, you have two girls, twelve and fifteen. I do. And did that. Was that a challenge to, to raise them and write at the same time? Always. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a challenge. Yes. How's yeah. this age, 12 and 15? Is it stressful? Very. It's very Surprisingly stressful. stressful? <laughs> yes. It's very hard. What's the most stressful thing about it? <laughs> I think, um, you know, the emotional roller coaster and the drama. Theirs or yours? Both. No, no, mostly theirs. <laughs> yeah, mostly theirs. You I think boys are easier? Yeah. I think boys are easier at this age, frankly, although I don't have boys, so I can't. That's what I hear, though. Yeah. I think there's just less emotional turmoil. And I know you're thinking about another book. We don't have really time to get into it. You probably haven't fleshed it out that much. So we'll concentrate on this one. Hey, buy this book, people. I think you will. Uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. The Bean Town Girls. And you got to hear the author right here on WBZ, Boston's News Radio. I really thank you for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. This was yep. great. That was another Jay Talking Podcast. If you loved what you heard, like and review the show. It helps others find us. Subscribe to Jay Talking wherever you listen to podcasts and never miss an episode. Follow me on Twitter for show updates. And as always, you can catch the show live every weeknight starting Sunday, midnight to five on WBZ, Boston's News Radio. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.